Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us as uh, we continue on and actually finish up our series today that's called Developing Well. Um, and this series has been a look at the Beatitudes. And we've taken our time and we've worked through the Beatitudes and, and hopefully we've learned a lot. You know, the, the Beatitudes, I've been telling you, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's us cooperating with the Spirit of God and developing these attitudes. And these are the attitudes of citizens of the kingdom of God. And that, that it's, uh, it's our cooperating with the Holy Spirit that does this and that, that the... Um, we can't achieve these beatitudes in our own strength, and the, and the way that they're laid out, they're progression. You know, we they build, and so we, you know, um, you know, the, they, they kind of happen. We get the first one, and then the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and and it's a progression that we've looked at. And at the same time, just now that we're at to eight, it doesn't mean that we're you know we're done and forever done. Um, I, I find that we'll be back through them all the time in our lives, and that probably one of the safest places we can be is back at that first one fairly often, which it just gets us realize and remembering our absolute dependence on God for everything. It's a very, very healthy place for us to be. And, and we've seen how the Beatitudes are shaped and how, you know, the first three Beatitudes really make us um, realize our need for God and deal with some of our selfishness and, and get our, our, our hearts and our lives and our minds focused on Jesus and the life that he brings us and then springing out of there since we, you know, with this picture of all that he's done for us and the realization of, you know, the cross and everything that it took that we could have relationship with him in him, we, we begin to say, God, you know, I want to live for you, and what does that look like? And he begins to teach us in these Beatitudes as the Spirit leads us about life in him, about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and we'll talk about that a little more, and then, and then you know, mercy and, and, and uh, integrity and, and peacemaking, and, and we've just been building on the process. And today we're going we're gonna to get to number eight, and uh, it's, it's pretty exciting, but uh, before we get there, you know, I like to do a little something different from the intro into the message, just to sort of get this out of the way. And uh, I found some words with some definitions that I thought you might like, that these might be helpful for, for you, okay? So, so here we go. Um, an arbitrator, an arbitrator is a cook that leaves Arby's to work at McDonald's. Arbitrator. No? Okay. Avoidable, avoidable. What a bullfighter tries to do. Avoidable. Burglarize. Burglarize. What a crook sees with. Burglarize. It's better than last week's. I still don't think some people got last week's. But, you, know, you know, if you weren't here last week, and if you haven't figured it out over the week, you know, I, I said, did you hear about the new corduroy pillows? They're making headlines. And if you haven't got that figured out yet, please see someone before you leave. Because that's way funnier than any reaction that I ever got and should have gotten about that joke. Because that's gold. Never mind. Counterfeiters. Counterfeiters. Workers who put together kitchen cabinets. Counterfeiters. Last one, I know, you, I think you'll like this one though. Eclipse, eclipse. What a barber does in England. Eclipse. All right, mate, eclipse. Scripture reading, Whew, you're going, thank you, hallelujah. Move along, Steve. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. I'm gonna read you the Beatitudes out of the message and then we'll read them in the NIV. This, uh, your scripture reading day is out of the message. Paraphrase, you're blessed 
When your commitment to God provokes persecution, the persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So the beatitude today, eight, number eight, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Let me read it now in the NIV. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, this is a very interesting beatitude and blessing. Um, it's sort of the, the blessing that nobody really wants. It's the one that they go, yeah, I like the others, but not so much here. And yet this is the one, this beatitude and this blessing are the one that Jesus spends the most time on in this discussion and, and actually tosses in a rejoice and be glad into the mix. He's, he takes this one further than all of the beatitudes we've seen on the way up. And that's the way it is with the Beatitudes. It's often uh, different. The, the outcomes and the, and the expectations are different than what we expect. And, you know, it seems like after this, after, after, you know, allowing and cooperating with the Holy Spirit and moving through these seven Beatitudes and all the realizations and the changes and the things that are happening in our lives, we, we finally get to number eight. And instead of a promise of an easy life now that we've come so far, we find out that the end result of growing and maturing in the Lord is often persecution. Hallelujah! I get nothing over here. Isn't it it funny how these things happen? And yet this is such an important thing for us to grasp. This beatitude is is the one that, you know, in the paraphrase, I read it, it's the one that keeps driving us back into the kingdom, keeps driving us towards God um, because because we're gonna come up against some opposition when we're walking this thing out. And I wanna talk about why today as we end this series on the beatitudes. So point number one in your notes is this. What is persecution? What is persecution? And persecution has, it has a lot of different ways that it can come at us, but it's the result of the conflict between two opposing value systems. It's the result of a conflict between two opposing value systems. The full and abundant now and forever life that we talk about in Christ, that we have in him, has a distinctive value system that clashes with the value system of our culture. It clashes, there's a clash. Um, and, and because the things that we value in the kingdom of God are different than the things that our culture values. And, and it begins to make itself known. Luke six twenty six: woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. John 15, 18 through 20, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. 
And, and so the idea of this life, this, this, uh, this righteous living that we've been talking about, this hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, it, which is living by trying to do the next right thing, will include in all of our lives some level of persecution. It's a promise. Second Timothy 3.12 says this. This is, you know, the Apostle Paul. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right there, there it is. Not might, will. You will face a measure of persecution, opposition, just because in Christ your value system is different than the cultures around us and it's gonna cause some issues. Now, millions of Christians around the world suffer all types of horrendous persecution for their faith right now because sometimes people think you know this persecution that he's talking about that all happened in the roman times you know when they were lighting them up like human candles and then putting them in the lion stuff and you know in the arenas and doing all those things persecution has continued and goes on and some of the statistics are that it's worse now than it's ever been in many places of the world people are outright just shot for being christians all the time killed just for their faith and doing nothing else you know churches are burned homes are burned lives are ruined all uh, for people taking a stand for Jesus. Here in America, um, you know, where, where there's virtually churches on every corner, um, as a believer, you will face some degree of opposition for putting God first in your life, whether it be at home, at work, at school, in the media, or just out and about. You will face some measure of persecution just for living and choosing to live for Jesus because you're gonna be in conflict at some measure with the world around you. And, and that's what point number two is. Well, why does this persecution happen? Well, well you know, with the persecution is here's these things coming at us, people talking about us, in some place of the world, people being killed for their faith. Um, why is this going on? Okay, and, and I wanna say this too, that the beatitude is talking about the blessing that comes from persecution for righteousness sake. Let's make sure we're, we're clear on that. For, for living by trying to do the right thing, that's the, the persecution that comes from that, this blessing is, is, is for that, um, the, the, that it's not the problems we face from, from trying to do our own thing or trying to manipulate or guilt people into doing what we think they should do or, or the persecution that comes, uh, oftentimes we, instead of loving people well, we just try and you know, tell them what they're doing wrong and we haven't earned the right to, to begin to speak into them the truth. And so oftentimes the result of that, people go back to this verse and say, well, I'm being persecuted for that. That's not always the case. Um, and sometimes we, we just get ourselves in a situation where the mess is pretty much our fault for not listening to, to what the Lord would have us do in a situation. But, but what's being talked about here is the pushback um, that we experience for honestly trying to live for Jesus. And, and uh, as we've been working through the Beatitudes, you know, we've talked about the two verses that deal with, with righteousness, that right living, living by trying to do the next right thing. And, and just so uh, we have this in context, Matthew 5, 6, remember we built our way along. It said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. So we, we figured out, you know, our mess at some level and our need for God and we turned towards him. And then, then you know, we have this hunger and thirst for we wanna live for God at that point. So we, we turn to him. And then in Matthew five ten. 
which is where we're at now. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here, here so it was, we're thirsting and hungering for righteousness, and now, now we're being persecuted because of it. And I said that those verses in between are sort of a picture of living by trying to do the next right thing. And, and those three beatitudes that are sandwiched there in the middle um, are all about um, you know, mercy and integrity and peacemaking. Now, when you, when you hear me talk about that, you would think, well, why in the world would, would living as people that are showing everybody that they can mercy to the best of their abilities and, and trying to live with integrity in the world around us, you know, with everybody that we're in contact with, and, and trying to be peacemakers, you know, reconciling people to God, why would that promote persecution? Because those sound like really good things, and, and in fact, those are good things. Here's the problem. As a result of your living for Jesus... The people that you're in relationship with at all of the different levels that we're in relationship with people, you know, from our work relationships and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, friend relationships and family relationships and casual relationships, community relationships, um, recreational relationships, whatever that. Um, in those relationships and, and you living as a believer um, and, and, and following after Jesus and trying to do the next right thing, um, these relationships um, the people on the other side of them ultimately have to come to one of two responses in regard to who and what you represent in this world. And the two responses are basically salvation or persecution. They either, they're either gonna get saved at some point and turn to the Lord, or in order to dismiss what you believe, they will, they will persecute you at some level. Now, it might not seem like much, but persecution looks like all sorts of things, like them just pushing you away a little bit, distancing themselves from you, not including you in certain things any longer, um, uh, because they either, they either need to come to Jesus because of what you know, they're, they're, they're seeing, or they have to, to justify them pushing it away, which invariably involves you know, some level of persecution towards you. And, and that's the reality that we face. And, and you know, you've, you've probably seen it and, and sensed it in your own life at times. I remember, um, and see people are different places on the spectrum at different times. It's not like it's gonna happen immediately in most cases. You're not gonna meet somebody and they're gonna either persecute you or get saved at the spot. You know, that would be, I guess that would make life easier, but it doesn't even happen that way. This is over a period of time, right? And, and I remember in our own families, um, when my wife and I came to know Jesus uh, in 85, yeah, 1985, um, our family wasn't saved uh, at, at that point in time um, and on either side. Um, um, Alice's family had a little more church history than mine, but they, they certainly weren't, weren't there. And my family, you know, I've, I've told you this, we were pagans, you know, for lack of a better word. You know, we didn't ever go to church. And I, I honestly can tell you, I never heard about Jesus until I was 18. Shocking to live in America your entire life. I never heard about Jesus until I was 18. And at that point, I know you didn't want to hear about it then, but that was the first time I remember anybody even talking about Jesus, 18. Anyway, so, um, but I remember early on, you know, and we were all excited at first, and I've told you we made some, you know, initial mistakes by buying everybody Bibles and stuff, which wasn't very well received. <laughs> that was on more my side of the family. And, and I remember on, on my wife's family, um, at, at one point, we were, we were at a thing at my, my wife's family's house, and we'd been Christian then for a few years, so we'd, we'd had some time to walk this thing out. And, uh, and we were in a discussion, I was in a discussion with one of her brothers and her dad, and they began to, to actually mock me, like, you know, what are you going to try and do, get us saved now? You know, is that what, and, I, and I wasn't even talking about anything. And, and actually, my initial thought was, I don't want you to get saved, but that's mean. Um, <laughs> 
I hope not, because then I'd have to hang out with you. <sighs> and I was like, well, I didn't know what they were talking about. Um, but it's funny, because in, in Alice's side of the family, and eventually a lot of them came to know Jesus, those were the first two in. Isn't that funny? That boom and boom. They came like, whoop, whoop, um, to, not that long after that, without anything other than, you know, that's not what we're trying to do. We're just, keep, we're just here. And the thing was, we weren't doing anything at that point. We really weren't. We were just hanging out, loving, loving them the best we could. We weren't making a stand. I, I, you know, I didn't stand on a soapbox. I didn't do any of those things. We just loved them where we were, lived our life. And, and yet, see what they could, they can literally feel something going on and, and they don't think they like it. And so, so over time, so there was some initial persecution, but like I said, at the end, they, their response was ultimately that they, they came to know Jesus, you know, over the next period of time as situations arose. And so, so, you know, this is what happens. Over time, the people that you're in relationship at some level will either um, come to know Jesus or they'll push you enough away, however they need to do that, that, that you sort of get the idea that they don't really want to hang out with you anymore. And, uh, or whatever that looks like, or they'll, they'll actually, you know, abs per persecute you at different levels. Um, you know, as believers in our country, we're persecuted as Christians, you know, by, by you know, comedians love to take shots at Christians, the TV shows they put out there. You, I, you almost never see anything that, that makes a Christian look like a good guy. In fact, when I see a, a TV show where there's a Christian in, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's gonna be a horrible person. Cause, and that's, he's gonna act like he's one way, and then they're gonna, uh, underneath, he's gonna be the worst person in the show. And I'm like, oh, please don't do that. But that's how we're, but, but we're, we're perceived, and, and we probably earn some of that. So. But still, that's that some level, that's persecution. There, it, it happens. It's not you know, extreme like it is in other places of the world. Um, you know, for years, I did ministry in Cuba. We were planting churches over there. And uh, from 95 to 2005, and we, we were in there a lot, four or five times a year, um, and we were over there planting these churches. And the guys that we worked with were so persecuted. We, we always had to be careful and make sure we were within whatever guidelines were set for us. But we would leave, and these guys would always get hauled in for questioning, they'd get arrested, they'd have things taken away, and their churches were just infiltrated with other people just waiting for us to say, I mean, they lived under that level of tension constantly. And, and uh, you know, the, many were, the, the people in Cuba were arrested just for being Christians, they're tossed in jail, horrendous situations. And, and this goes on in the world around us, in all sorts of places. Uh, John 3, 20 and 21. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So see, we're there, and, and, and as we're living this thing out, the light of Jesus, we're not perfect, but as we, it's just there. The Spirit of God's there, and it's, it's very real. It's, it's what happens at the end of the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 10 through 16, let me read it. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is in your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and pray your Father in, praise your Father in heaven. So here we are, we're living this life. And, and actually, that, those verses about salt and light, that's where we're heading in our next series um, and, and what that looks like and where the Beatitudes take us. But so, so we're living this life out and, and this light and, and people either are drawn to it or repulsed by it or both. 
as they work it out, or initially repulsed and then drawn. You know, there's, there's dynamics, but that's where all this stuff is coming from. And so these responses, you know, salvation, persecution are not always immediate, but, and, and may not always always be the way they are, but that's what's taking place in the world around us. So point three then, what is the blessing of the persecuted? Because you, you, you think, you know, how can Jesus talk about rejoicing and being glad in the face of persecution, especially that when you consider what Jesus was talking about was the type of persecution that often ended in death at the time. He's saying, look, when that's taking place, you can be rejoice, rejoice and be glad. And you think, well, how, how is that even, I can't even fathom that, that what you're talking about, that at some level you should rejoice and be glad, you know, when they're, when they're, when they're, when they're taking your life, when they're torturing you, when they're, when they're you know, mocking you and insulting you and putting you in arenas with lions and crowds and, and, and you know, using you as human torches and all the stuff that was going on in the early church and Jesus' words are rejoice and be glad and you think, how in the world can Jesus be saying that? And this is why Jesus can say that because Jesus knows that where we're headed is so much better than anything we'll ever experience here that it'll all be worth it when we get there. He's not saying that it won't be difficult while you're going through it, but he's saying, listen, where you're headed is so money, the, the magnitude of how much better it is than what we experience here in a broken world on a fallen planet, no matter how good your experience here, where you're headed is so much better that no matter what you go through, it'll be worth it. That's what he's saying. Be glad. It's going to be okay where you're going. Matthew 5, 12 is worth it. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your, your reward in heaven. Great is what's taking, great. It's so, it's, it's off the chart. You can't even imagine it, fully describe it. You know, we get, we get these little tastes of, of foretastes of heaven that, that pop through, that break through. The kingdom breaks through, you know, as we... We hang out and we, we worship and then sometimes we see the power of God move on people and, and you know, healings take place and, and just the, the lives being changed that we see and, you know, in our own lives we see this change happening. That is just a foretaste of, of the main event that we're going to experience. You know, the, the big banquet that goes on forever with Jesus and, and, and it's all going to, it's just going to be so over what we can even imagine that Jesus is saying, just hang on, rejoice and be glad. Now, all these beatitudes, great is your reward in heaven, the same way they persecute the prophets who are before you. The, this last beatitude, and it's neat, the beatitudes, so, so the, the promise that starts is, is theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and the, the promise at the end is theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and so the beatitudes start with the kingdom, and the, end, the beatitudes end on the kingdom of heaven, and all the, the beatitudes ultimately reflect the kingdom of heaven, and the point of this whole thing is that there's nothing more valuable than becoming a citizen of the kingdom. There's nothing on earth that compares with knowing Jesus as your king. Matthew 6, 19, 21 now makes sense. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, our hearts and our hopes are focused in and on Jesus. For it's only in him that we experience the full and abundant now and forever life that he came to bring us. So the, the whole thing is that, that as we live this life, and don't get me wrong, this life is filled with some great stuff. You know, we have, we have 
amazing blessings in our lives now. But, but they're just the beginning of what's gonna happen forever. And, and Jesus is like, make sure that your heart, your heart is, is always focused on heaven because that's where you're gonna be forever and ever. And that's where life is found. And I'll be with you here and I'll get you through this stuff, but sometimes things are gonna happen, but it's okay. Where you're going, your reward is so much greater than anything you'll experience. It'll be okay. So make sure your focus is right. So where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So keep your treasure in him, focused on him. Enjoy everything that he lets you enjoy here, but know that this ain't it. The real deal's coming, and it's gonna be so much better than anything we experience here, that it'll always be worth it. And that's the Beatitudes. And once we have those settled in us, see, then we can go out and be the light and be the salt in a world that desperately needs seasoning. You know, the salt's a seasoning and it's a preservative and it's, a, it's taste, you know, it's, it's, it's flavor. There's so many things in the salt and the light, same thing, we reflect that light of Jesus into the world around us. You know, just like the, you know, when you, there was a full moon last night, two nights ago. I remember stepping outside and the moon was full. I don't know if it still is. And you know, you think, and you know, the song's like the light of the moon, but you know, the moon's not lighting anything, right? All the moon does is reflect the light of the sun. So when you see that incredible full, it's just full on reflecting the sun's light. And see, that's what we're supposed to do. We're the light of the world by reflecting the light of Jesus. And it should shine like that. And sometimes some people won't like that. And so persecution comes. But no matter what, it'll be worth it. And that's a promise we have from Jesus. Who knows that it's worth it. And so you can trust in him. And so that's how we'll end up that series. And uh, I hope the Beatitudes have, have been helpful to you and that, that this will, you know, just kind of help you on as you continue on in your walk. If you're watching on video or on television, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. We know how valuable your time is. If you need, you know, prayer or something, go to the website, keysvineyard.com, find the prayer page, we'll shoot us a prayer, we'll pray for you, call us, whatever you need to do. And uh, we'll, we'll make sure we pray for you. But thanks for watching. If you can, stop by and visit. We'll see you soon.